Welcome to episode 293 of Coffee Pods and Wads. You can go to join.whoop.com forward slash cpw to start your membership with Whoop. At a discounted rate, you can save money and support the show. It's a win-win. Monitor your stress, sleep, strain, and recovery. More wins. Goad.app or go to the App Store and search for Goad. Test your mobility and watch their library of protocols be tailored towards you and your specific needs. Get Dot fitter dot training to bring your coaching to new heights historical look back at workouts has been added to the growing list of features available with more promise to come as well you can start a free trial and find out why so many huge training houses like hwpo and the program and so many uh, individual coaches looking to engage their community better have trusted fitter to help them do it the news with lskd lskd have opened their latest store in bondi Uh, If you can't make it there, you can go to lskd.co and you can use the new show code CPWLSKD, all in capitals, for a discount on your purchases, including their all-day puffers, thermal insulation, and it doesn't let the water in, so it's perfect for an Aussie winter or, you know, an Irish summer. The Hillbilly Throwdown is back. Elite and Oryx individuals and scaled teams of two over the weekend of the 22nd and 23rd of July. Tickets are on sale now. You can go to at hillbilly underscore throwdown for more. It's programmed by Jamie Heaton again. This time there's an added bonus of an outdoor test that promises to be a special weekend. Emma McQuaid has launched a YouTube channel. It promises to cover the build-up to Berlin with some testing this weekend and the event proper in a couple of weeks, as well as the rest of the season with some potential for news on the future as well. You can go to youtube.com forward slash at McQuaid175 to have a look or just search her name on YouTube. Semi-finals kick off this weekend. Africa and North America East are up first. Matt O'Brien has unfortunately had to withdraw from the season, blowing the Eastern semi-final wide open. We had James Sprague on the show during the week prepping for Orlando, and we chatted to Keelan Henry, who's in Joburg as well, getting ready for the African semi-final. You can catch up on them and others wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Today's guest is CrossFit CEO Don Fowle. We chat about how he wound up in the hot seat, his military background, perceptions of CrossFit, and the goal of increasing its globally as well as some problems that need to be fixed along the way enjoy listen share and tag okay live um how is that one of those uh dyson uh, air fans there it is well good pickup i've never had someone notice that before are you an aficionado no uh dyson isn't something that's in my uh my accountant's wheelhouse <laughs> <laughs> I like my my wife said to me the other day. She was like, "Oh, Dyson are bringing out a hair straightener that's supposed to be amazing, and it uses air." I was like, oh, "Of course, it uses air." And she's like, "Oh, it uses air," and it's and I was like, "Right, what's what's the price point on that?" And she was like, "Oh, I don't know, it's, pr- it's probably pretty expensive." So I feel like she's laying track for like Christmas, you know, like further down the year. That's so right. I I can just start saving now. Um, listen, thanks, uh, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate you taking time out. Um, My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm assuming you're a pretty busy guy. Um, I'm assuming the life of a, a CrossFit CEO is pretty pretty hectic. Is that fair? Uh, reasonably busy. How do you find it compared to, so like you were at other uh, kind of tech-based companies, I guess you're at Google, you're at Link, or Pinterest and Facebook. How do you find it like structure-wise and day-wise and like, uh, you know, plate spinning-wise compared to those jobs? Uh, you know, they were also busy. So I'd say uh, similarly busy and, and uh, I'd just say in different ways. Uh, and there are things that I, I, I guess to be fair, uh, elements that are really similar and consistent, even though they're like wildly different companies. And then there are things that are fundamentally different that, that uh, make this job really fun. So like my travel now 
uh, when I get when I used to travel for Facebook, I would visit our office predominantly. So we had one in Dublin, we had one in India, had one in Texas. Now I get to travel and and drop into affiliates and meet members of the community, and uh, that's one of the, one of the best things about this job. How you, so you were at the were you at the Dublin office of Facebook? Yeah, I actually really early uh, opened that office, so I. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, so I got a chance to go over there and spend a bunch of time to look at real estate, and I, I got the chance to to get back to Dublin about once a quarter or so. That's cool. Do you like it? Oh, I loved it. It was one of my favorite places. I had my little routine. I would stay in this um, uh, little hotel down by the docks, and you know, had the the pub I would uh, frequent, uh, you know, which was conveniently right on the way to work. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it a ton. Wow, drinking on the way to work, Don. That's that's next level. I need on the way home, obviously. Well, yeah, I, yeah. when in Rome, as they say. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, you're getting into stereotypes. We'll move on. <laughs> so you, uh, I was looking you up on on uh, LinkedIn. Um, I, I noticed a trend of like nine years. So like you were from from starting in military to uh, finishing in the seals was nine years, and then uh, Google, Pinterest, and Facebook was nine years. Um, and I, I, I don't know, uh, I can't like nine years is such a long time. Um, like obviously if you live to 90, it's not that long, but if you like f- for a career to start something in whatever, 94, do it for nine years and then like walk away from it and walk away from it completely, like something totally alien to what you're doing. Was there a reason why you didn't stick in military or why you didn't move into like training or doing something else involved in that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I It's funny. No one's ever had that observation. I've never looked at it in terms of nines, but I guess there's something to it. Turns out I've been doing CrossFit for nine years at this point. Wow, okay. See, I, gosh, I, I can't quit now. So um, <laughs> I the trend. Um, yeah, you know, my, my time in the military um, was, it was amazing for me. Um, you know, elements of it that I'll, I'll always cherish, like got a chance to meet amazing people. And, you know, as a young, I was super young when I went into the Marines, um, you know, learned a lot about leadership things, you know, no, no other organizations crazy enough to give a 21 year old responsibility for other people. Um, but, you know, I learned that in the Marines, I did a couple tours overseas and I got back to the point I knew, I knew that I wasn't going to be career military. It just wasn't the right fit for me. And in military has this thing when you're more, um, when you're starting your career, you have very much more hands-on roles. Um, and I love that. I love the operational roles. I love being in the fleet. I love being with Marines. And as I looked at my career, I knew that if I was going to stick around, I would have to do a mix of, you know, operational roles as we would call it and administrative roles that are important as well. And for me, that just wasn't something personally that, uh, I was excited about. So, when I got back from overseas the second time, it felt like this kind of perfect time to say, okay, this has been incredible, amazing life experience, time for something new. Mm. Um, when you did move, I'm assuming that there's uh, big differences between like military and, you know, like attitudes in the Marines and stuff and behaviors and uh, what's expected of people and how people like engage with each other. And I guess like I have a picture in my head of it being fairly straight talking like that there wouldn't be too much room for you know like flowery language or plumossing and stuff so when you started at google and uh, pinterest and facebook and those jobs well like was there an adjustment there from what you had sort of been brought up on oh big time i mean if you can imagine a a work environment that's more different from the marine corps you know where you're 
sleeping in the dirt and, you know, lugging a rifle around. I remember showing up my first day at Google. I was an intern there, actually. And the corporate campus had ping pong tables and pool tables and snacks. I felt like I was at a carnival. And uh, yeah, there were elements of the culture that were obviously so different. So, you know, after spending six years in the Marines, I had a, a rich repository of four letter words that were like, you know, pretty frequent in my, my vocabulary. And I had to work really hard to try to wean that down. And then there was an element of like culturally, you know, the military Marine Corps was very direct and everybody kind of opted into that. So like, you know, it wouldn't be unusual for my boss to call me in and be like, what the F were you thinking? You screwed that up. You know, you're an idiot. And I'd be like, you're right. I am an idiot. And I did screw that up and I'm going to go fix it. Um, <laughs> that type of approach and language didn't necessarily uh, vibe and work at Google. So there was a period during which I had to like really be conscious of adjusting. I'd say like the fundamentals of leadership and getting things done and being a part of an amazing team, 100% universal and transferable. But the way to, to integrate them in terms of, of the language and the approach is something I had to learn. Yeah, but even like even when you change job in the same industry, you get that. Like I'm a teacher and I go around. So like the thing I'm doing now at the minute is kind of uh, what would you call it? Like local work kind of. So I'm employed by a school, but I'm on this like text panel basically. And like some schools I go to, I know that I can say certain things. And other schools I go to, I'm like, no, that's not going to vibe here. Like they won't get that joke or they won't get what I'm talking about or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is like people are... People are weird. Um, the uh, the the CrossFit opportunity then, um, like how how did that come across your desk? Like how how did that how did the conversations around that start? Yeah, so you know I've been I've been doing CrossFit for about nine years now, and so I I've, I've been in the community. It, it has been you know really transformative for me. Uh, about a year ago now, somewhere around a year ago now, I had a friend of mine, good friend of mine who, who called me and said, Hey, I've heard CrossFit's looking for a CEO. Um, I had, I had wrapped up my previous job. I was thinking about what was next. He knew I was thinking about it. And, uh, he said, Hey, are you interested in, in learning more? And so that he connected me with, uh, there was a recruiting firm that the board had hired, um, to source the role. And so he made the connection and, and, you know, that was the start of it. So you were like, what, eight years-ish doing CrossFit then at that stage? Correct. Um, like, so it's a, it was a bit of a kind of dumpster fire, like compared to its, its peak of like, you know, operational success where everything is going really well. Like there was a lot of fires to be put out. Um, you had like, you know, Greg was gone. The, uh, it was bought out. The, there was, you know, uh, community differences with the decisions that were being made and the CEO was stepping down or back or sideways or whatever. Um, and then like, I guess my main question is like, why would you touch it? Like, would it not have been so much easier to just be like, are you interested to be like, actually I've just done a quick Google and no, I'm okay. Thanks. You know, it's funny. I, I, uh, as I was talking to folks, um, you know, before taking the job, I reached out, you know, I reached out to, I had trained at Jason Kalipa's gym for a long time. And so I called Jason and said, Hey, can I pick your brain? And what do you think? And I talked to a number of other folks and a lot of folks who I talked to said, cool, but why would you take that job? And, you know, folks who knew what was going on in the community and, and knew how many challenges there were. And 
you know, I'll be honest, it's probably two things like, you know, one, um, I had this just like very personal, deep love for CrossFit and, you know, the impact it had on me and being a part of these different gyms where, you know, we've all seen it, right? Like you see how CrossFit changes people's lives. And I, I, even at that point had just huge conviction that gosh, as amazing as this is, it can and should be so much bigger because there are like, for every person that's in a gym, there are 30, 50, a hundred who have not yet discovered it. Who's like, could be changed if we can figure it out. So to me, that was really motivating and really exciting. And the second part of it is honestly, like I, I, I probably just a little bit of a glutton for punishment. Like I like hard stuff and, and, uh, I, you know, Marine Corps was hard, really hard. Um, you know, I chose, I started in the infantry and I, I, I tried to go to this, you know, I went to this force reconnaissance unit. And part of that was because it was hard. I was like, I don't know if I can do that or not. I don't know, but I know in trying it, it, I'll be better for it and I'll see if I can find my limit. And, um, so I was, you know, for me, this opportunity, like I wasn't in some way that the challenge and the difficulty was part of the attraction and thinking, mm-hmm. gosh, we can, if I could look back and be lucky enough to be a part of a team that could take something that was so amazing and, and went through such a hard patch and tell the story of the next chapter, whew, what a special opportunity that would be. Um, one of the things that you said, like kind of early doors when you took over this, the, the number of 30 million was uh, kind of bandied around. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure if it was you or, might have been Daniel Shafi or someone said like someone at every dinner table basically was was kind of the aim like um I was kind of curious like I suppose the 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 three kind of things that come to mind with that would be like why 30 million mm-hmm. like why not you know 20 or 50 like why was 30 million the target and then like how 30 million like how do you plan to get there and then when 30 million like what when it, like is there is there a date in mind or is it just let's keep pushing till we get there yeah so you know when I started in August you know, the, the first thing for me was just, um, you know, doing a lot of listening and a lot of asking questions inside the company, outside the company, trying to get, I had my own point of view as a member of the community, but there's so much I needed to learn. And what became really clear, honestly, within the first few days was how much of a desire there was for a, a North Star, like a vision, a strategy, like so many people saying, gosh, we love CrossFit inside the company, outside the company, we want to help. And, but we need to understand where where you're going so we can align around it. And so one of the first things that we started on as a team after going through the learning process was, okay, what's the vision? Not this year, like far enough out so that, you know, we've got the opportunity to build something, build real momentum here. And so I picked, we picked 2030. Why 2030? Far, it's far enough out, you know, to force us to do some real meaningful work. And it's a nice round number candidly, that was part of it. So seven years, okay, where do we want to be in seven years? And so the first question then was, what is the most, if, if we're going to, you know, tell a story of what, what success looks like in 2030, where do we start? What is the first thing that we say? And it started with, with the number of people whose lives have been changed through CrossFit. That's it. That's the North Star. And by the way, if we achieve that, everything else is good. It's good for affiliate owners. It's good for coaches. It's good for us. It's good for partners. And so, you know, that led to then, okay, what is a meaningful, aggressive goal? So we looked at where we were. We don't have great data on this candidly. We actually don't know 
uh, exactly how big our ecosystem is today. But, you know, we estimated between folks who are in affiliates, maybe doing CrossFit at home in a garage, there's somewhere between two and 3 million people. So we took the upper bound and I said, let's 10X that. Like organic growth won't get there. Like our current path will not get us there. It's going to force us to do things that are really meaningful. And let's pick a number that is really aggressive, but also achievable. And so, um, you know, we picked 10X. Is it perfectly scientific? No, but I'll say if we can get to 30 million and I'm confident we can, holy cow, we'll be on an incredible trajectory. And I think by the way, our, our addressable market, if we describe it that way, the number of people who we could touch, I think it's so much bigger than that, but getting to 30 million is gonna force us to solve some, uh, tackle some meaningful problems and challenges along the way. And so that's how we got to 30. Um, Say the of the the thirty you're talking about, like you're not talking about members in affiliates. You're talking about like obviously some of that thirty will be members in affiliates. Some will be coaches. Some will be like people who, you know, like I do CrossFit at home, so like yep. I'd be included in that. Yes. Are, are you looking to get those people? Are you looking to get like friends of current people in the or family of current people who are involved, or are you looking at getting like people who are doing? whatever f45 or powerlifting like where what, what's your kind of who's on your radar for that yeah yeah so so when we talk about who is um who is our addressable market who's crossfit for oh. you still there okay yeah. sorry my computer went out for a second um so if we think about who crossfit's for we really start with this notion and actually you know uh, Greg Glassman said it crossfits for anyone, but it's not for everyone. And I think what he meant by that was it's a mentality. It's not your age. It's not your gender. It's not your level, current level of fitness. Actually, it's, are you, are you willing to put in the work, um, and be a part of this community? And so, um, you know, we start with that and then we're looking at, okay, what is the, if we look at where we're having the biggest impact today, which audience and, um, group of people do we believe is, so if you drew a circle around our community today, we look at what's the next concentric ring around that. Who are the folks that are closest to be able to get in? And so we look a lot about it's much more of a mentality and a psychographic than it is a age and gender. And it's really folks who who you know who are attracted by the challenge, who are willing to put in the work. Um, it absolutely starts with existing members. I think if you look back at one of the things that we try to do is look back and say, gosh. You know, we went, CrossFit went through well over a decade of incredible growth. What drove that growth? And, and how do we reignite some of that? And I think what drove that growth was this extraordinary experience that happened inside of affiliates that had such a big impact on people's lives that those folks walked out the door and told everyone they knew about it. And we get, a you know, us as members of the community, we get a hard time about this. People say we talk, you know, the, the jokes about, you know, how do you know someone does CrossFit? They'll tell you right away. Um, but, but there's something to that that's really powerful. So yeah, like the, the next concentric ring is how do we make it easier for our community to tell the other people in their lives who they care about, about CrossFit? And then how do we understand what the obstacles are for those folks today? Like, why haven't they gotten in? And then there's a bunch of work we're doing on this, but one of the big areas is, is in and around, I think, people's perception of CrossFit and, and, and some of the um, concerns around CrossFit being dangerous, CrossFit being really intense you having to be in shape before you go give crossfit a try and so that's where we're lining up a lot of our work is how do we activate make sure that members have a great experience and then how do we make sure that that someone's first impression of crossfit 
um, encourages them to walk in the door of an affiliate because we largely know if we can get them to go give it a shot and do a few workouts and, and experience this incredible community that we have, odds are really pretty good that they're going to stick around. And is that, is that, uh, is a large part of that media then is a large part of that, like say, like when I think of getting people into, into CrossFit gyms, like, yeah, there's that thing you're talking about of, you know, um, I guess like anecdotal sharing of, Oh, I love it. And you should do it. And you should like never shutting up about it. Then there's also like, you think of the videos, um, you know, like yeah. the old videos back from five, 10 years ago. Like, is there, is there plans to like make that more of a focus now and to kind of bring that more? Cause it obviously has been, there's been kind of a dearth for that kind of stuff for the last three or four years, say. Yeah, so absolutely. And one of the biggest things that we did in in this first quarter of this year was invest in media and storytelling. So we had a campaign, The Magic of CrossFit. Um, we put a, a really meaningful investment towards it. Uh, and it was all about elevating, elevating these stories, like what's happening inside affiliates all around the world that help people understand, um, you know, the, the magic of the CrossFit experience and who it's for. And so uh, that campaign team, team did an incredible job with it. I think it was really, really well done, really inspiring. We're now building on that. So there's some things that we learned from that, some things I think we did really well, some things that I think we need to do better. Um, so part of it is the storytelling. Another big part that we learned in the first quarter of the year is, so we did an incredible job getting more people to CrossFit.com. So we saw a huge year-on-year -year lift in traffic to CrossFit.com. What we're not doing a great job with is the experience when you land on CrossFit.com. So um, that's where we're shifting our focus now to make sure, hey, if you're someone who maybe came across that piece of media on a social channel, came to CrossFit.com because you're curious, but you still have some reservations, how do we get you through from interested and curious to convicted and ready to give it a shot? So we're now investing in that on-site experience um, and the handoff to an affiliate so that we can convert more of those curious into people who are actually doing workouts. So we're trying to build on that now going into, uh, into this quarter and the rest of the year. And then we'll continue, you'll continue to see more and more media from us that is really aimed at changing those perceptions and getting people into affiliates. Uh, is the, is the media, is that largely contracted work? Is that largely like outside or internal? So we do a mix. We do some of it contracted. So we have an incredible partner, uh, Hamilton Rhodes, who does a bunch of work for us. They're extraordinary. Uh, and then we do a bunch of it internally as well. Um, and it's really, it's probably best said that it's a, it's a partnership between our team and um, partners who do that exceptional work. Hmm. Um, of like, say, if you take the, the HQ employees as like 100 of that hundred, how many, like, is it a requirement that you do CrossFit? Is it a requirement that you have done it, that you, you know, that you train on site, that you are a member somewhere? Is that, is there, is there any thoughts behind doing something like that? Or is that too restrictive? Do you think? No. So, um, what I will say is, uh, is it a requirement that you do CrossFit? Yes. Is it a requirement that you have done it before you start? Not necessarily. So we are, we are, have, and we'll continue to hire people who have a real passion for fitness and for whom CrossFit could be life-changing, but for whatever reason, they haven't experienced it yet. Once they start, so we actually have started, everyone on our team uh, goes through and gets their L1. So that's oh, wow. what Yeah, uh, I think that's a fantastic thing. And then everyone on the team is, um, you know, part of a, they either do CrossFit at home or, or they do CrossFit in an affiliate. But I think it's really actually important for us we need people inside who are in the shoes, I think, 
of the people who could be a fit, but haven't discovered it yet. I think that perspective is important for us. Hmm. Um, you, you mentioned there that you took over and, and you, um, you kind of started looking at goals and, and you, you set out your markers and stuff. Was part of that, like say for the, your, 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 what, like nine months ish now, uh, right. there's another, another nine. Um, <laughs> when you like was part of the kind of agreement that you made either like verbalized out loud or just internally in your head, like, okay, I'm just going to watch for, cause a lot of people come into that role and just clean house and just straight away be like, you're gone, you're gone, you're gone and bring in their own people was part of it. Just, I'm just going to watch, see what happens and then see what needs to be patched up, what needs to be fixed, what needs to be gotten rid of. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, that was my, you know, I have been through in my career this enough times to know that you only know so much before you join an organization. And if you really wanna make good decisions, you've gotta take the time, I think, to understand context and, and understand what's happening. And you know, I knew a little bit about CrossFit having been a member of the community. I certainly didn't know a heck of a lot about, um, about the business, um, about you know, what was happening on the team. So very deliberately, and what I communicated to our board was, hey, the first phase is about learning. And again, I bring in a point of view and I actually put together a, the board asked me to put together a plan. What would you do? I was like, gosh, this is like, I have such limited context, but I came in with a plan knowing that that plan was going to change unless I happened to get, you know, unbelievably lucky. Um, but I came in with a point of view and then I spent the first couple months just meeting with people and asking a lot of questions. And then as a leadership team, we started saying, okay, um, we are going to, here's where we're going to be by X date. We're going to be done with the vision and the strategy and the operating plan. And we're going to look at our team and organization. We're going to work through that successively. Um, but we're going to start with a really deep understanding of where we are to make sure the decisions that we end up making are the right ones. Now, is there a cost to that? Sure. There are probably some folks who might've come in and said, you know what, like scenarios urgent enough, we should make some more aggressive changes. Um, I felt like the right thing to do was come in and, and, and try to ask some questions and get grounded first. Hmm. Um, one of the things, just when you mentioned aggression, I saw there's a video uh, a while back of you saying that, you know, pe people were saying like the world needs CrossFit when you started there first. And you're like, uh, maybe pump the brakes a bit. It's a bit too aggressive. Um, and you were saying that, you know, like now that, you know, this is a few months ago, you were like, now I get it. I get like the, the, that kind of mindset that you were kind of shifted towards that yourself, but you were still you know, you've kind of alluded to it there a couple of times as well that you're kind of conscious of the, I guess, the perception or the preconceived notion that people will have of like, you know, the kind of zealous or overly zealous uh, attitude towards it. How do you, is packaging that and like getting it out there, is it just um, like those kind of videos that you're talking about, the Hamilton Road stuff and the in-house stuff of, you know, like the older CrossFitters and the people who've maybe recovered from diabetes or maybe recovered from injury or stuff? Or is, is there like, is, is it kind of a multifaceted approach? Like say, I'm thinking of just actual content that you put out on social media on, you know, like Instagram posts or on, on you know, other podcasts and stuff. I, I think it's without question the latter. It's without question, it has to be a multifaceted approach. And, and, and we... Look, at the end of the day, I think what we have to start with here is really being clear in what the outcomes are that we're trying to achieve. In this case, our, our goal is to get more people into CrossFit affiliates. And we should come into it now with a strategy and a set of um, hypotheses around what can do that best. And there are some things that, you know, these incredibly well-produced stories that elevate members of the community, great. But that's not the only, we shouldn't assume that 
necessarily is going to work for all people. Um, and so we have to be willing to, one of the things that we're really trying to work on and culturally is um, making sure that we're coming in and, and we're able to validate and stress test our assumptions around things. Great. That story looks, you and I can watch a video and say it's the perfect story. At the end of the day, what's going to tell us whether or not it's working is if we can measure and track how that story gets people to walk in the front door of an affiliate. And we should be open about the different th types of things that we should try and experiment with. So for example, a lot of that media that we've done historically is incredibly well-produced, um, really, really compelling, tends to be a little bit longer form. We should also experiment with scrappier, shorter form formats um, uh, that are easier to produce, that potentially we can leverage from folks in the community who do this work already, and that may end up working better in some channels and, and for some members of the community. So we are going to and should be willing to try a bunch of things. And we need to make sure that we're in a place where we can evaluate the effectiveness of, of what we're working on and then lean into what works best. Mm. Um, like, I don't want to get out of line, um, but like, I do feel like something that's maybe lacking from certainly from my perspective. Um, and like, I think there's there's been some a lot of disappointment um, I mean, I got mine, so I don't really care, but there's been a lot of disappointment from photographers and videographers and stuff around semifinals and not getting access and stuff. And one of the things that I kind of thought of was, I feel like it would be a much easier pill to swallow, um, certainly from where I'm sitting, if CrossFit as an, as an organization took hold of all of the free content that they have access to from people who host podcasts, make videos, make content, um, you know, and, and, use it and show it and share it and like hat tip the people who created it and stuff and like because i think there is a perception um you know like i think i speak for a lot of people i don't know maybe i'm wrong but like there is a perception that it's kind of like a there's a high tower and if you're not in it you're not in it and it's like there's like outside media or outside videographer or photographer or whatever and i do feel like there is a lot of quality, like seriously high quality content that people are making for free, like just because they love it. And yep. there doesn't, historically anyway, there doesn't seem to be any kind of like, hey, well done, we really appreciate that you're doing that. And let's, let's you know, let's share it on our million plus channel to, to you know, rise some ships. Yeah. Um, no, I appreciate you raising this and it's definitely not speaking out of turn. I think this is an area that's like important for us Um uh, to have a really thoughtful approach towards. And I think there's like two things here that I think are probably important. One is, I agree. I think we're probably coming from a place where philosophically our approach was more internally produced, internally operated, and then there's everyone else. And I, honestly, I think this is true beyond media as well. I think in some cases, like I really think about our role is is to, to align and pull together as many people in our community as possible in service of growing CrossFit and touching more people. And our mentality, I think, increasingly needs to be, how can we show up as a great partner that enables people who want to help to help in a way that is good for them and good for the community? So there's, so we've been, I've talked to, you know, we've talked a little bit as a team about, hey, how do we do a better job with this? We need to move in this direction. And we're not, you know, I'll, I'll say we're not fully there yet. Like we are, um, we're still working kind of through this. I think the second piece, which is probably relevant, and I'm a little further from the details, so forgive me if I speak out of turn on this, but there's also a practical, logistical 
element to it, which is okay. Even if we wanted to do that tomorrow, how do we shift from a place where we're doing a lot of our own production and distribution to a place where we can actually manage and identify and distribute content that's be being created by other folks in the ecosystem and do it in a way that feels uh, scalable and high quality, et cetera. There is a pragmatic matter of actually executing on that that I think is probably going to take us some time. Mm. And sometimes there are constraints. Like one of the hard things that we have figured out is we have a lot of our live events, we have limited real estate where we can put photographers and videographers, et cetera. And we have to figure out and make choices. What's the best distribution of that real estate that serves the, I think the decision should be what serves the community best. That should be our North star. Um, I, I, again, I won't claim we've got it perfect yet, but I, but I know it's something that we're thinking about and talking about. And so hopefully folks are patient with us as we kind of work through this, but the intent is we really do want to be able to partner with folks in the community um, in service of doing this together. But even, even like from a, from a less formal approach, like say, I know I've made, um, like I made, a, 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 I did an episode with Jeffrey Adler recently, made a reel out of it, put it up. And like, to my surprise, like three days later, like Wadapalooza, it was about them. And I didn't, I don't even think I tagged them in it, but they like made, took the reel, made their own reel, posted it. And I was like, geez, that mean that actually means so much that, whatever yeah. many hundred thousand people are seeing it that I didn't expect to see it. And like, it's that little, like you're tagging something, put it up in a story, you know, like that, that stuff to, to people like me, like that stuff is it, like, you can't even describe in words how much of a, like, not that I need it, but how much of a pat on the back it would be to be like, Hey, you're doing good. Like keep doing it because it matters. Yeah. Uh, and I think especially when there's so many of us that are doing it, like pro bono basically that you know like that, that that's all it really takes just to be like yeah you're part of it and it's cool um but yeah the the uh semi-finals thing um so i was curious i i've often heard uh i haven't actually heard it directly from him but i've often heard other people reference the fact that greg always said that the crossfit was like two there was two kind of elements to it there was like the affiliates and there was the the training and the the education and the methodology and then there was like the kind of circus like there was like the sport and the the, the fittest of the fit go and do that um are, are you like i suppose well one of the first questions i want to ask is would the crossfit games uh and the sports side of it survive like on its own like if if it didn't have help from say other sources of income through crossfit like affiliate income that kind of stuff would it survive as an entity just like solo on its own um interesting it's a i haven't really thought about that explicitly but in thinking you know working through it now i think it, it could it would look different than what it looks like today um i think really like this question um i think is really interesting one and is one that as i was talking to folks one that comes up quite a bit like there's Folks love the sport, but there's some, there is tension in how we think about the sport and the role that plays in the community. And one of the things that we are working on is, and then we've talked about with the team is sport, what we do in sport, like everything else we do needs to be in service of that 30 million people. So we've got this incredible, the, the, the sport of CrossFit, I think is an incredible asset that inspires our community, that brings people together, that if, if done well, can, can expose new people, new audiences to CrossFit. Um, but it's also something that I have, think we have to be thoughtful because there are also with it come some 
um, risks if we're not careful, right? So if you're, if you're sitting at home and the first exposure you have to CrossFit is watching one of our elite athletes lift an ungodly amount of weight over his or her head, that actually could be interesting, but maybe intimidating for you. So what we're trying to work on is the long-term strategy for us is how do we make sure that um, we are leveraging sport in a way that grows the overall pie, grows the audience, grows the number of people doing CrossFit, grows the overall size of the community. If we can do that, I think that's good for everyone. That's good for our athletes. It's good for sport itself. And it's good for affiliates. And the question in the meantime, then, is how do we run it in a way that's thoughtful? Um, and sport is, especially the in-person events, are really hard to run. They're logistically complex. They're super expensive. There are dynamics of our sport that are uniquely challenging through that lens. Um, and so we got to be really thoughtful about how we execute it in service to that goal. Hmm. Um, so the semifinals then, uh, like one of the most kind of recent things to come out is that, uh, say two of the seven events won't be live streamed. Um, yeah. and I think initially my, my immediate thought was oh, driving ticket sales. That's, that's what they're after is they're trying to get more people to say, hmm. oh, I'll go rather than to see the whole thing. I'll go. Um, which, you know, I thought that and I was like a bit harsh, like if you're in, you know, like south of France and you have to go to Germany or whatever, um, is, is that the logic behind it? Is it, is it like, is there something else? Is there something that, like people don't know? The dominant driver actually is, is, um, you know, what we did there is we looked at, so, so in aggregate, the semis are, you know, logistically intensive and really expensive to put on. And, um, as we looked at the overall experience, we looked at actually the number of views that we traditionally get against those events. And when we looked at it and looked at just the, the return of investment there versus other areas where we can, um, uh, uh, you know, augment the experience, um, it was really about an area that looked like viewership was relatively low traditionally for those and the incremental cost of it we didn't feel like was the right return. Like and, those type of events, is that like the, the type of tests or like semi-final? I think, and I'll, I'll, again, I'll, you know, I'll let, you know, kind of Justin and team, we can follow up on yeah. this here, but I think it was probably both where they fall in the programming, like what day okay, and, and, and when, uh, and then part of it also is we are running two floors and part of it is they are on a second floor. And so um, having multiple crews cover multiple um, floors to be able to do uh, streaming capture was, um uh uh kind of a meaningful additional investment yeah that's fair um with the uh those two separate beasts that like greg and she talked about with the the education training and affiliates and then the games and stuff is that like has that been a struggle kind of managing to like almost wearing two hats like obviously you're saying that your overarching goal is like right the 30 million and everything feeds in towards that but then you've got like the kind of glitz and glamour and the 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 sports side of it and all the kind of analysis and pressure and everything that comes and the commentary and everything comes with that. And you've got the affiliate side and you need to keep the, the members coming in. You need to bring old members back, bring new members in. You need to keep the owners happy, try and get people to re-affiliate, try and get people to decide to affiliate. Is it is it difficult like, uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of delegation, but still is it difficult being like, all right, it's Tuesday. I need to put on my sport hat and like talk to JB and Boz and get some stuff. So then it's Wednesday. Be like, right, I need to meet with affiliates. You know, it's, it is, uh, it, it is a challenge. And it's one of the things that I think is really interesting about this job. We have, our team is really small. Like we're about 150, 160 people. We have for a community 
of millions of people, tens of thousands of small businesses, hundreds of thousands of coaches in over 150 countries with three fundamentally different businesses. We have our, our affiliate business, we have education, and then we have sport. And so it's really like, I'd be hard pressed to find a lot of other businesses that have to manage that amount of complexity with such a small and lean operation. Um, and so it, it is it is definitely a challenge, but it's also part of what makes it really fun. And I think increasingly for us, what we're trying to do is rather than, I think historically to some degree, this is probably you know natural. We have thought in, in a very siloed fashion, great, let's run our affiliate thing and let's run education separate and let's run sports separate. What we're trying to do increasingly is actually think holistically about, look, we have one community and we have three um, really powerful complementary parts of the experience and parts of the business and community. How do we show up in a way where um, we're all moving in the same direction and we can do things in sport that accelerate what we're trying to do for affiliates and vice versa. And so featuring, you know, what, what you probably saw last year is we made a really big effort to really feature affiliates in the experience at the games in a really meaningful sort of way. We'll continue to do that type of stuff, really trying to invest in education in and around it, really trying to bring community-based events into the games as well. Um, so that um, you know, the, the investment that we're making across those um, gives gives us the biggest bang for the buck, and we can try to create the best possible alignment. And it's not like you're feeding these; it's not zero sum. It's not like oh, every minute I spend on sport is a minute away from affiliates. It shouldn't be that way. They should help each other. Um, would you ever think of charging for live stream, like for for semifinals and stuff, and saying, okay, if you want to watch anything, you pay five dollars for the weekend or whatever? Would you pay for it? Well, I would, but I'm probably like the wrong person to ask. I'd probably pay. <laughs> if you if you told me I had to pay $100 to watch Berlin from home, I'd probably pay it. Yeah. Um, but like there are, I understand what you're saying, that there probably are people who'd be like, oh, screw that. I'm not, I'm not going to bother. Well, I think, you know, one of the, one of the beauties of our community is they're really vocal and it's awesome. Uh, that's one of the strengths. And, I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure you felt the brunt of it the last little while. And this is okay. Like, I think this is part of the role that we're in. It means look, we're going to do especially elements of CrossFit that people who are deeply passionate about, we're going to hear about it. And, uh, and that's okay, actually. Like, I think like our job is, is to try to make the best possible decisions. We're not going to make decisions in a lot of cases. Like if we try to make decisions that everyone likes, we're going to fail and we're going to get nothing done. So we have to be willing, I think, to take some risks on this decision. This is why we've spent so much time on articulating what success is for us. What matters most for us, what matters most is, is growing the number of people in our community. And so through that lens, if we think about that, then sports job is to expose as many people around the world as possible to CrossFit to try to get them into an affiliate. And if that's sports job, then thinking about something like pricing should be what impact does charging for access to a semis or games, what impact will that have on reaching new people? In that case, it probably means that we reach fewer people and we have a smaller impact and grow in the ecosystem. So that doesn't mean we wouldn't experiment with it, but that's something I would really want to make sure we understood. Gosh, yeah, we might be able to make some more money, but if our, if our goal is to evangelize CrossFit and get more people into the community, this is going to probably make that harder to do. Hmm. Um, so the, the, I guess recent uh, news out of CrossFit, you mentioned that you have kind of a lean team and it got leaner. 
um, yeah. like a few weeks ago. Uh, the were you surprised by the reaction to that? Were you surprised by the kind of like it incited a bit of panic and a bit of like, wait a minute, what's going on? Like you know, there was kind of a sense of people. Uh, I guess people tend to look at a negative or tend to find a negative, so they're like they're fleeing the ship. It's on the way down. It's where people's minds kind of go. Um, were you guys kind of aware that that was probably going to be part of the reaction and like was it um was it frustrating i guess the way that it came out and that it wasn't just purely an announcement from your side that there was kind of you know whispers and stuff beforehand would you have rather it was just okay we are announcing today friday that the last three days we've done whatever yeah um you know i'd say i i'm not largely looking back i'm not surprised by the reaction and um you know i think Again, we know what we do is um, is looked at um, throughout the community, and we know people care about it. And and I think our job is, you know, in cases like this, first, like let's make the best decision for CrossFit HQ and for the community. And then our job is to try to do our best to communicate it in a way where we can be transparent and clear, and make sure people take away from it the right messages. Um, I knew, like, we knew this was going to get out quickly. For sure. We knew it was going to get out within a matter of hours from us uh, talking to folks on our team. We have a really small tight knit community. And so we were prepared for that. Um, and look, I'd say in any case like this, it's, it's, you know, I, I think at this point, um, you know, uh, CrossFit's not the only company who is looking at these types of things, right? Like you look around, especially, you know, I live in, in Silicon Valley, um, you know, some of the most profitable, successful companies in the world are going through the exact same thing. And so um, from a timing perspective, um, you know, we felt like this is something that is appropriate for us to take a look at. Um, in terms of the reaction, most of what I heard from folks generally, not 100%, I don't think you're, people get it, I think. You know, it's, it's a bummer. It's sad for sure. Like we have, you know, incredible people on our team who did so much for CrossFit who are, you know, uh, you know, that this impacted, but at the same time, you know, definitely convicted it's the right thing for us. HQ, we're in a really, really strong position. We're going to, you know, part of this is making sure we're in a position to be able to make some big bets and investments and things that we're working on right now. So look, by and large, um, we knew that it was going to cause some questions. We know that some folks were going to be concerned. Um, I, you know, generally look and, and feel good that we were able to kind of communicate the intent around it in a pretty transparent sort of way. Mm. Um, I was listening to uh, Taylor Self was talking recently and he said um, kind of a throwaway comment where someone asked him something I think it was Savat asked him something about affiliates uh, or he asked JR or something and Taylor said well there's 50 affiliates in Charlotte and I was like geez like 50 in one area um, which seems common in the states and I think like the you know you talk about that growth and the growth of the sport and the growth of the methodology and stuff and the amount of people that are coming in. Um, and like, I've, I've noticed since I've started following the sport and stuff that there's, it is very like say U S centric and the, the, um, maybe affiliate messaging and uh, like all that kind of stuff is kind of U S centric. Cause that is your largest market. It's like, there's more people there. There's more, you know, uh, affiliates there and stuff, but is part of that, uh, you know the the bets that you're talking about laying or, or the things that you're looking to invest in is part of that like more of an international kind of vibe of like maybe something in europe something like trying to grow the number of affiliates abroad or trying to um reach the people that are abroad i guess 
Yeah. So um, we are today, if we look at where we are, uh, roughly 60, 65% of our affiliates and probably close to that in terms of members are outside the U.S. So, okay. so we have more people outside the U.S. now than, um, than, than in. Uh, but you're 100% right. We, we do not yet operate um, as the type of international business and company that we are. We're not where we need to be yet. And so some of this is the complexity of figuring out how to deliver an experience in 150 countries with different languages. But um, part of it is us playing catch up. And so we are you know, moving in a direction where we can do a better job of making sure that what we do is localized, um, the product experience, things are translated uh, we have a presence on the ground in, in markets around the world. So that is a shift that we are starting to make. It's going to take us some time, candidly, um, to get there. But that's definitely a focus. In terms of kind of zooming out and looking at overall goals, what I would say is most of our growth right now is coming internationally. Western Europe, um, parts of Asia are growing really quickly. And that'll continue to be the case for us. We're looking at some big markets where we have not yet seen really, really meaningful growth. So thinking about how do we drive growth in India? How do we drive growth in China? How do we drive growth in large parts of Latin America, South America? Um, so that's definitely a part of what we're looking at um, in, in service of those goals. And then in our more, call it more mature markets like the US, it's a slightly different focus. I'd say in the US, our predominant focus isn't more affiliates, it's stronger, healthier affiliates. Um, and so when we talk to a lot of affiliate owners now as we, and ask them about, hey, the 50 affiliates in Charlotte or take another market like that, we're really trying to focus on, we wanna make sure we can best serve and support our community. Um, doing so is now all about making sure our uh, affiliates themselves are really strong, um, um, sustainable businesses that can invest in an incredible member experience. And so it's the focus is less on more affiliates and more on a stronger, uh, stable existing set of affiliates. And that doesn't mean we won't have new affiliates. Of course we will. Mm. It's just a focus. And is that like making CAP available as part of the affiliation, that kind of stuff? That's right. There's a number of things we're working on. So CAP is, CAP is a part of it. So, hey, how do we better support our affiliate owners? Um, we're doing some work now around um, the business side of running an affiliate. It's not something traditionally that we've done a lot of. Most of our focus has been on the coaching side, but we know that, you know, for a successful affiliate, you need to deliver great coaching and run a really good small business. And so we're doing more work on that front as well. We're partnering with folks in the community like Two Brain, like Best Hour, who do a great job on this. We want to work with them um, to provide more affiliates access to the, to the work that they do. That's good. Yeah, I like that. Um, the, the Those kind of businesses that are out there, like you mentioned Two Brain and Best Hour and, you know, like obviously, you know, Rogue have done okay for themselves, I guess. Um, but like there's those kind of businesses that have kind of started to sprout up and stuff. And there's, you know, there's there's a lot of tech companies that are uh, around like, you know, maybe timetabling or, or you know, logging workouts and stuff. Is, is there, is there, like any kind of inclination from CrossFit itself to start saying, okay, well, we need to do an app that's, you know, you can book your slot and, you know, track your workouts as well. Or, you know, we need to do, we know what the community need because we are in the community. So now we need to start servicing that rather than letting other companies like sprout up and, and do that themselves. Or is it more a case of like, yeah, the more the merrier, like you're taking stuff off our plate and servicing the people that we want to help. So I think in the long run, in the very long run, it's a little bit of both. 
And I think one of, one of the strengths in the CrossFit ecosystem is that we have these incredible uh, partners, businesses that are solving affiliate problems and coach problems and delivering a great member experience. At the same time, I think we need to make sure that we are playing the role that we need to in the community. One of the challenges we have now is we have very little data and insight into what's happening in our own community. So because we don't have a direct relationship with, all, with most of our members today, we don't know how many people do CrossFit. For affiliates, we're really limited in what we understand. We, we, for a lot of them, we talk to them once a year when they pay their affiliation. And so when we think about you know, long-term where we wanna be, so that 2030 timeframe, I think what I hope is that we continue to have a bunch of really successful partners in the community who have built amazing businesses and are innovating in around the core experience that we support for our community. But if you're an affiliate owner, if you're a member of the community, you can depend on CrossFit for kind of a core part of the experience. Now, exactly what that looks like, you know, we're still figuring out, but I think it's probably going to be and. I think that's the best thing for the community that we figure out a way to help those third, you know, partners be successful. And we've got a really good set of products and services for our core customers. Hmm. Um, you mentioned at the start there that uh, one of the, your kind of military uh, background would have been, you were called into someone's office and they said like, what the F are you doing? You messed that up. Um, there's obviously been some pretty, uh, you know, glaring mistakes over the last little while. I'm thinking of the sports side specifically where, you know, there was the the judging and scoring and those kind of issues. The, the worldwide ranking was brought out that wasn't really met with a lot of enthusiasm. There was, you know, perhaps better options highlighted by members of the community themselves. Um, you had problems with the, the way that the adaptive community felt they were being serviced and the way that people watching the adaptive community being serviced felt they were being serviced. Um, like, is it difficult in those kind of scenarios not to be knee jerk and not to kind of like do that military approach of just calling everyone in and being like, right, screw this. Yeah. Well, I'd say there are, um, you know, I think a couple things are like important here. Um, one, I think we, we need to be thoughtful and rigorous in how we make decisions and how we execute without question. We should all be accountable for that. I'm accountable for that. The board holds me accountable to that. The community will hold me accountable to that. And, and you know, I, I should do the same, do the same for, for members of our team. Um, at the same time, I think we also um, uh, need to be willing to take some risks and make some mistakes. And um, I think if we are really going to continue to innovate here, if we remain static, we're not going to grow. So we have to be willing to change and we have to be willing to, to play some bets um, some that won't work, um, some that will, um, in service of figuring out how do we continue to grow CrossFit and make this a better and better ecosystem. And I think our job in that, that's going to mean there are going to be times when we make mistakes and we screw things up. And my expectation, I tell folks on our team, like, if you are batting a thousand, you're not being aggressive enough. So we have to be willing to push. Um, now, when we make mistakes... My expectation is that, you know, the team is doing a really hard look at what happened. So, hey, if we made a mistake in judging, if we made a mistake in X, Y, and Z, um, what happened? And um, are we taking the proper steps to make sure that's, that mistake never happens again? And as we approach it, 
my expectation is in our expectation is isn't that everything is going to work, but the expectation is we should be thoughtful and rigorous about the bets that we're playing. Play. So did we make a mistake because um, look, we had a thoughtful bet, but it just turned out not to work. Or did we make a mistake because we were sloppy? If we were sloppy, that's not okay. That's not acceptable. Um, and so culturally, I think that's that I think when I think about some of the most successful organizations, institutions, they're willing to take bets. They're willing to get it wrong. Um, I think some of the best athletes do this as well. Like they're not perfect, but they hold themselves to a really high bar in the rigor they apply. They take good shots on goal, not sloppy ones. And when they miss, they hold themselves by looking back and what happened. And I think one of the things we got to do a better job of is when we screw up and we will, we get to go back to the community and say, hey, we made a mistake. Here's what happened. And here's what we learned from it. And it's not going to happen again. We'll make different mistakes in the future. Um, so that hopefully folks, my hope is we're still going to catch heat as we should. Um, but hopefully folks then trust, hey, if we're being rigorous, if we have the right end goal in mind, if we care about the right thing and you know, over time, if the experience gets better, I hope we can earn some space and some grace from the community for when we make good mistakes. Yeah. Um, How does that land with you? I don't know. Like I didn't hear much. Sorry. I didn't hear like, not, I don't mean from you, but I mean from the people who made the mistakes, like from, you know, like there was a lot of issues. People had a lot of issues and it's affecting people's like seasons and livelihood and everything. And they're, you know, like I listen to, obviously you i'm assuming you don't have time to listen to everything that's ever put out with the every you know uh, media outlet and stuff but like i've listened to you know one of the people who would have been largely in charge of the scoring and judging be quite apathetic and quite like you know well what do you expect us to do about a lot of the issues that were being raised and you know like there was I don't know, like, I guess uh, it, from from my perspective, it seemed like a lot of the issues were being maybe downplayed and made to be like, oh, come on, you, you know, like um, I, this didn't come from HQ, but I know that I heard uh, someone call it like a nothing burger, you know, like there's just, oh, it's just nothing. It's no big deal. Uh, but like it is like there's there's substance there for someone, like it's affecting someone. And if it's affecting someone, chances are if it's, it's affecting a lot of people. And yeah. I think just to say like, Oh, well, you know, like one, one of the things that was raised was someone said, and I don't want to get into my new shovel, but this is just uh, indicative of the attitude, I think was, uh, I think it was Lauren Khalil put it to someone like, well, why don't you just put a rule in the, in the, in the, in the workout rules, the judge cannot touch any equipment. And then the answer that was given was, well, I mean, we could, but like, there's already pages of stuff like, are there? and I was like, well, that will eliminate pages of stuff by just putting one line will eliminate so much stuff. And I just think that that, you know, it's, it's great that like what you're saying is great, but I think there's obviously some kind of a, I don't know, like a wrinkle somewhere between what you're saying and what the uh, people who are, you know, being put forward to talk about the issues are maybe saying when they speak. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, um, you know, and, and again, I unfortunately don't get a chance to listen to everything, but um, look, Except we, this, you obviously listen to this every week, but apart from that, every single week, that's why I don't have time for anything else. Um, <laughs> no, but look, that, that to me is represents an area where we got to get better. Yeah. And, and again, that's if the impression you or anyone else leaves with is that we are being defensive 
that we are not acknowledging when we make mistakes, it, it works. It's it's it works against us. Like I really hope the the we if we try to take the position of we're going to be perfect and everything we do is right, we're screwed. It's it's, imp, it's impossible. Like I I think the position we have to take is we're doing our we're going to do the best we can to serve and support this community. We're going to make the best decisions we can. Uh, a lot of them are hard, but that's on us. That's our role. And when we make mistakes, we'll own it. Yeah. That's it. We'll stop. Um, it, it, obviously, we're in the middle of the game season and we have semifinals that are kicking off. Are you going Are you going to any multiple all semifinals? Well, obviously, you can't go. I'm going to Pasadena in Berlin. Oh, okay. I'll see you in Berlin then. That's cool. Um, so, one of the kind of narratives that I saw spun around the, the layoffs was a lot of people were saying like on semifinals is only weeks away. And I was kind of looking at the list of like people who were being laid off and I was like, not involved, not involved, not involved. Like there was a lot of people who were kind of maybe on the fringe of being involved in, in the semifinals or like the game season itself. Um, is that like a point of frustration where, you know, you make a decision and it's a hard decision to make and it's obviously going to be talked about, but that people lean towards that side of things and say like that, that CrossFit is just the games or that CrossFit is just the sport. Mm -hmm. Because obviously like you're saying that you have uh, historically had those three separate silos, you want to make them one. But I guess if one of the silos is massive and it has a huge spotlight on it, it's tricky for the other two, I guess. Yeah, I'm, you know, so first I'd say actually our, our team that supports sport directly is really small. Mm. relative to it. I think pe most people would be shocked at how small the team is. Now we, we, we do a lot of work with, um, with volunteers and partners who help us, but, um, you know, it's, uh, it's not like the sport team is 90% of the business. Actually, it's a relatively small yeah. piece. Uh, and when we go through, you know, when we looked at, um, the decisions we were making around the team and the organization, what we, we looked at every single team, we looked at every single role and we really went worked backwards from, okay, what are our goals? What does it take for us to be able to execute that? And every single team we made changes on, are they perfectly proportionate? No, because that wasn't the right thing for the business. Does that introduce some degree of like, well, this team got unfair. Yeah. Look, that's a little bit of a risk, but I think that's where it's on us. Um, you know, as a le as leadership to, to build trust in people that were making the right decisions for the business. There's no agenda. The only agenda is, is putting our team in a position to have the biggest possible impact against these goals that we've communicated externally. We won't get it perfectly right again, but we're going to do the best we can. Um, and then if folks have questions about it, they can ask and we'll be transparent. So, hmm. um, is there, so like obviously last year there was big changes, um, to the sport with semifinals and you know like the open quarterfinal semifinals games and the way that the season was structured and you know there was kind of a um, a commitment put that like okay things might change but they're not going to change as drastically as they have changed in the past we're not going to you know suddenly revert back to sanctionals or you know whatever we've and it's kind of I guess now is a lot closer to the the old system of regionals but with more of a funnel or an extra step I guess to funnel through um, is there obviously with the layoffs and those kind of changes to, to the company in general, uh, can we expect similar or some kind of change with the game, with the sports side of things? And were you kind of saying like, all right, I'm going to change, like, you know, we've identified changes we need to make in, in these two silos and 
we'll leave that one alone because we're right in the middle. Like there's no, like it'd be a bit harsh to do it now or upset the apple cart too much to do it now. So we'll wait until August and then we'll assess how did the whole season go from start to finish and are there things we need to change in that? Yeah. So I think at, you know, starting point at a really high level, like I think what we got to figure out here is how we balance. There's a real cost to change. Um, and we know it's really impactful for athletes. It's impactful for our partners. It's, it's impactful for folks who run third-party events. It's impactful for the media. It's impactful for our team. Um, so we have to be really thoughtful about that. On the flip side, I think we've got to be able to take a hard look at every year, every season and say, hey, what's working really well and what's not? And for the things that are not working really well, I think we have to and should be willing to look at that and say, okay, what did we learn this year? What things about this season didn't go great? And what are the adjustments that we should think about moving forward to, to elevate them? And, and then just weigh in that, be really thoughtful. The bang for the buck has to be significant enough to outweigh the cost of the change. And so I think it would be dumb for me to say, irresponsible to say things are never going to change and also say everything's going to change. So it leaves this really broad um, mix in the middle. And so I think the things that we look back and say, hey, that when that part of the season went great, awesome. Let's not mess with it. If there are parts that we look at that were problematic for us, for our partners, for the community, for athletes, yeah, I think I think the best thing for the community is to take a hard look at at, at how we improve it. Hmm. Um, you you mentioned there about you know like uh, outside of America, is it is it out of the realms of possibility to say like okay, once Madison is done, let's go to like Amsterdam or let's go to I mean you can have it at my house it's not big but got, there's a little garden I'll be yeah you definitely fit a shuttle run in <laughs> I love it I love it there'll be 7,000 shuttle runs yeah um, yeah uh no we're gonna do international okay we're gonna do that. now exactly when we haven't made that decision yet so but I think it's a it is really important um that we do that I think it'll be the first time we do it, I think it's going to be incredible. So we have talked about it. Now it's just a matter of when. And like within five years or further out than that? Okay. Right. Okay. That's as close as you're going to get. You're going to get a, a soft maybe. Okay. That was a hard maybe. Um, uh, I guess that you had your, you, you're a year, you know, you're coming up on a year in and you've had your, your, your plan, I guess, was to kind of evaluate have your vision starting like you know make taking actions on your vision or whatever uh, i'm conscious that we need to finish up as well um and and keep you know like keep to that vision with the decisions that you're making you've i think you've expressed that pretty well um and then you're kind of heading towards your second year now does the focus shift like do you do you do you kind of just keep spinning the place that you've started spinning and then like what are your plans say for year two like have you have you got kind of a big picture plan without maybe going into the minutiae of what it is yeah, so I'd say um, there'll be a good part of what we're doing thematically at the highest level that won't change. But um, as we make progress and as we learn things, the strategy will evolve. So I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I mentioned to you a little bit earlier, like growth will remain member growth. So get, exposing more people to CrossFit is going to be a goal of ours. I'm pretty confident for the next seven years. Um, now how we get there and how we execute on that should be evolving a lot. So in the first quarter, it was all about, Hey, can we get more traffic to CrossFit.com? Great. We did that. Now, internally, we actually changed our focus and we said, okay, it's not just, it's not just getting traffic to the website. Now we got to do a better job with that. We got to get those people 
into an affiliate. So that's what we're working on through this, this year. For affiliates, uh, you know, our focus now through the end of the year is really investing in. So there's big new markets. How do we unlock growth in those new markets internationally? And then for existing affiliates, how do we really help them build those stronger, more sustainable businesses? As we do that, we'll be able to look at that and say, okay, what do we now believe is um, the next biggest opportunity for us? But I'd say if I look at right now, our top level, so our top level goals for the company right now are, you know, member growth, member experience. That's number one. Number two is stronger affiliates. Number three is an investment in coaches, stronger coaches. Um, and then number four for us is for us, CrossFit building a strong, sustainable business. We've got a lot of work left against each of those. So the nature of what we do will evolve, but the goals shouldn't change in a really meaningful sort of way. Hmm. And then number five, sharing more outside media content. Perfect. Um, <laughs> okay, that's, listen. That's uh, within growth. Yeah. That can help fair. us do a better job on the growth. Um, listen, thank you. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. We've kind of ran over the agreed slot. Um, I appreciate you taking time out and coming on. It's been great to get to talk to you. Um, we'll we'll grab a coffee in Berlin, maybe if you're if you're not running around too much. Um, I'd, I'd love, love to it. love to chat. I'm going to come. I want to do shovel runs in your garden. So yeah, to be yeah, it's like four foot by. No, I'm joking. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's 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 not insubstantial, but it's not you know I'm not a la I'm not a landlord either. So.